Almighty. You ready, church? Come on. Wake up. Come on. We're ready. God's ready. He wants to do something for us. We're not a perfect church or perfect people. We all know that already, right? Don't have to be reminded, but we say it every week. It's important for us because we're here because we know that we need God's help, and he's provided that help through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we are assembled as the body of Christ to receive the help that God has planned for us, provided for us, and is offering us this very day the help that you and I need as we walk this journey of faith with him. God is on the move, and what he's doing is he's transforming you and I. Those of you that have received Jesus Christ as your Savior, first question, have you received Jesus Christ, your Savior? Yes. There's room for some more. I know how many people we have in here, and I just heard that. There's more of you than just said yes. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you need to know Him today because He is the one and only Savior of the world. You're not going to heaven without Him. That's the way that God's Word speaks it. That's what is truth, and that is God's truth, not this church's truth. This church simply follows God's truth, and God's truth says there is only one way to heaven, and that's Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Now, the world doesn't want to hear that. The world doesn't want to hear a lot of things. We don't want to hear a lot of things, but God wants to talk to us about the very things we don't want to talk about. We don't want to just like, all right, let's have an example here. We're going to go to lunch today, some, wherever you're going to have lunch, breakfast, whatever you're doing. I don't know. But let's just talk about this for a second. Let's say we all sit down for lunch. We're sitting there and someone says, I want to talk about death. So how long is that conversation going to go and how excited are we going to talk about that? doesn't happen like around the table when we get together as a family, we don't talk about the only time we talk about death is when we're experiencing something like that in our family or our life. And so when we're confronted with the reality of death, we talk about death. But once we get around that moment in our life, it's not a topic that we will talk about. So God brings us to these moments. I did a funeral service yesterday, so I'm going to use this as an example. Church, I want you to hear me. This is what I believe as I'm watching what God does, as I'm sharing with family after family after family. And we're talking together. I'm like, look, life is crazy and it's calling us in every direction. All of us are on this treadmill of going and doing and doing and doing. And so we get to that place, even Christians, I'm talking about me and you, not just the world. I'm talking about life itself calls us, draws us, and we're running all the time. And one of the things that suffers in that is the reality of my relationship with Jesus Christ. And so when we come together as a, a funeral service, I'm like, hey, you know what's going on right here is God's giving us a time out. Like we give that to the little kids, right? We'll set them down. And when we sit them down, we're like, you need to think about what you did. And there's consequences for your actions. And so now you need to change your behavior, right? So we give them that moment to try and process because we don't want to, I mean, when I was a kid, I didn't get time outs. I got whoopings. And um, not all whoopings work. You know what I mean? They don't. But sometimes you need to understand the, what discipline means. And I, I didn't get abused or anything. I want you to understand. I, I needed more whoopings than I got. Uh, but it probably would have done some good for me to may, make me sit down and think about my actions. And the reason that I would get a whooping is because of my actions, or lack thereof, whatever the disciplinary issue was, so that I would understand that there needs to be something that changes in my life. 
And so when I'm talking to you today, I want you to get that picture in your mind and think about it for a moment. We're in God's house spending time alone with God, away from the world. When Eric was talking about at the beginning of the service, you know, just leave everything else outside right now. There's nothing you can do about that. I mean, you can maybe text or do stuff online. Don't do it. Just stop for a minute and be with God. Because what God wants to do is he wants to set us down and give us a moment to process some things in our lives because God's trying to do something, lead us somewhere and transform us. And the transformation that God is trying to create inside of you and I as believers is a transformation that takes us from our old self into the new self, which is Christ-like. So God is leading us on a journey and we are maturing. We are to become more like Christ every day of our life. All right. Thank you, Mike, for that one amen. I appreciate it, brother. Anybody else agree with that? It's biblical. It's biblical that God is calling us to mature into Christ-likeness. So as we journey on this road and we're walking with God, God is speaking to us and not one of us including this guy, everybody online, everybody on planet Earth. No one has arrived. We are on a journey of transformation to be Christ-like. Therefore, God is speaking to you and I about what He wants from us to change us. All right. So, let's get to this. Did you spend at least five minutes a day, five days last week reading God's Word? Did you share Jesus with someone? Yes. We need to improve. That's not very many voices. Did you spend time alone with God this week? Yes. Do you know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you? Yes. That's where I had to get to. All right, so let's do this. Um, once a month, I uh, team up with a few pastors around, and we do a, what's called an EMC group, and so we bring young leaders of the church in to help to mature them and disciple them to become mature in their walk with God, to be the the next generation of leaders in the church. And so for one month, we'll take a group of people through that and uh, and walk with them on this journey of faith. Okay, so yesterday, in the, in the time that we shared in the morning, one of the things that we were talking about is that very thing. Do you know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you? So we say yes. If you don't know, I want to encourage you that I guarantee you, because of God's Word, today the Holy Spirit will speak to you about something. And if you can't hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you, and I don't mean just in an audible voice, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit makes you like sweaty in your hands. He makes your heart beat a little faster. He makes you uncomfortable. He makes you comfortable. He embraces you. You know when God is talking. God will speak to you, move in you, do something, this very service, according to His Word, that will do something spiritual in your life to make you more like Christ. That's going to happen today. You ready for that? You better be. You just sang you were. Here you go, ready or not, it's coming. In the lesson yesterday when we were talking about that, we're asking these young believers in Christ, it doesn't mean just like they're not young in their faith, but young in their age. Younger than me, how's that? I'll just leave it at that. Um, and as we gather them together, we're like, do you know what the Holy Spirit's saying? Yes, okay. What is it that God's talking to you about? What is it that the Holy Spirit is pinpointing in your life? Because you see, God wants to change you. Church, God wants to change us. And he wants to change us so that we're more like Christ. 
So I asked everybody in the room, including myself, as we were leading this session, saying like, whatever the Holy Spirit's talking to you about, I want you to speak that word out loud in the count of three, holding your hands just like this. Because see, usually when the Holy Spirit's talking to us about something, it's pretty common for us as Christians in the church to say, oh God, take this from me. God, take this from me. Take this from me. But God doesn't take stuff from us. He receives from us. We have to give to him. So here it is. I'm saying like physically, I want you all in the room, all of them. Put your hands out in front of you. And as you do that, now I want you to speak whatever the Holy Spirit's talking to you about out loud. On the count of three, one, two, three, control. That was my word. The Holy Spirit was saying, Dave, you're not in control. Let go. Because you see, as a leader, and for people asking and wanting to give direction, I have a constant battle of trying to give direction, lead, and take control. Not saying like, I got this God, but I'm like, come on, let's do this God. And God's like, hey, wait a minute. Am I doing this or are you doing it? (laughs) So it's that control was my word. That's what he's talking to me about. Let go, Dave. (laughs) So here we are all together. The instruction for like this, and I want you to hear me. See, church, when I said that, like, it's control. See, the Holy Spirit said, Dave, it's this issue of control. There it is. God, I got it right here in my hands now. I said to everybody in the room now, hey, wait a minute now. When you're ready to give that to God and release it, just say, yes, Lord, and turn your hands over. Like I'm done. (laughs) I give it to you. Done. All right? So I'm standing up here, and everybody's in front of me, and we're sitting in this section over there, group of us there. And here's the thing. Church, I want you to hear this, because when I was watching around the room. I did it. And then I'm watching everybody in front of me with their eyes closed and they're like this. And they're talking to God. And some of them were sitting for a little while before they finally said, yes, Lord. So what was going on right here? Listen to me. What was going on? If we already know the Holy Spirit is saying, that's it. And we've confessed it with our mouth. Why does it take me and you a little while to finally go, yes, Lord? See, that's surrender. Surrender's real. So there's so much stuff going on inside of us when God's talking to us about something. And I'm, I'm right there and the Holy Spirit's talking to me. Then it's like this. I'm doing this. And oftentimes, church, we get to a place where the Holy Spirit's talking to us about something and we talk to him about it. We finally realize it. We confess it, but we don't release it. Lord, I know you're asking me for control and I see it. You see it. We know it's the problem. So Lord, please help me. And I walk away. And the Lord's saying, let go. Let go. So I'm watching as different people are going like this. Friends, this is what's going on a lot of times with us when the Spirit of God is talking. We kind of negotiate with God. We're talking around stuff. We're trying to convince ourselves it can happen. We're doubting that we will change. We're in fear of the unknown. If I let go and let you, God, what about, what if, but? 
So we're in that negotiation space where we're like this, like, I see it, I know what you're saying, but right there, when I do this, it's unknown to me. Church, what God's asking us to do is surrender to the known of God and the unknown to me. It's called faith. Faith. God says, do you trust me? Church, right now, can you say, do you trust God? I'm going to ask it again. Do you trust God? If you trust God, let go. See, the truth is, when we trust God, we will be like, you've got it. I release it. I give it. Yes, Lord. It's you, not me. You're God, not me. As we're sitting here today and the Spirit of God moves in us, what God is saying is that very next step, when you finally let go, I can tell you 100% of the time, all of you that are here that have had that experience in your life where you let go, what's happening right then is the surrender of self, the presence of God, the more Christ-like presence of God now is in me, and there's less of Dave to get in the way. And so what happens then is I'm further on the road than I've ever been before. I'm more Christ-like than I've ever been before. I'm more filled with God in the sense that there's less of me, so there's more room for God. I am being transformed in the image of our Savior, Jesus Christ. When that happens, like I can breathe easier. It's pretty cool because you're like, oh, it's like there's this weight off me. That's called obedience. Surrender, trust, obey. And we walk forward in this. So we've got to step forward because what the Spirit of God is doing is He's saying this is something that needs to be dealt with in your life. Whatever it is. So I'm asking you again, do you know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you? Today's the day to act upon what you know. So, what is that? Why do we know that something is there that God is talking to us about that the Holy Spirit has brought to the forefront in my life? It's called conviction. And it's a gift from God. Church, conviction is a gift from God, no matter how miserable it makes you. (laughs) It's a gift. You see... As we look at what God's saying to us and the Spirit of God is doing something in us, the conviction is the evidence of God in us, the voice of God talking to us, and the possibility of transformation in us. It's God at work. That's why there's a part of us that kind of wants to resist it. Because see, the self, the flesh, the person is still like having a little bit of a control issue in this life and it's all about surrender so we talked about conviction at the end of last week's service when people were talking about you know um, with the COVID vaccine and all those things that are going on in the world around us um, I'm in uh, I am subscribed to uh, Liberty Council which is a Christian legal group that defends the church and stands for our rights and our country. I'm very grateful for them. Very grateful for them. They do a lot of work for us that we don't even realize is going on as they defend our religious liberties and freedoms. 
So one of the correspondence was, was about the vaccine because this is coming to the surface and it's being more and more real every week and every day and it's coming to the point where it's going to be mandated across the, the nation. I know that there's all the arguments on every side. This message and this moment is not about a vaccine. Please stay with me. See, church, the thing is, is there's something coming down the road that's much larger than the vaccine topic. And here's the thing. People are looking for an exemption from having to get the vaccine and they're looking at it as a biblical spiritual conviction. There's only one aspect of that that even comes close to falling under that religious liberty side of things. So I want you to know that I've examined this, read it through, looked at it, prayed about it, wrote a letter of exemption for anybody that wants it. You probably won't get it from me though. Um, I mean that in a good way because see, here's the thing. A conviction is something that has to stay true across your whole life, not just this one topic. And so what's happening is some people don't want this. So we're looking at a spiritual biblical conviction as an out for something I simply don't want to do. Follow me? See, a conviction is something that is across my life. Not just picked up for a momentary thing because I want it to be there. Conviction, beliefs, something I stand for has to be solid across my life. I have to have a standard, a platform, a rock, something I stand on that I recognize that I will either live or die on. I'm standing on the truth of who God is and all that He says to me. And so church, as we're looking at this idea, I want you to understand that God has called us to a life of conviction which affirms belief, which is faith, which is relationship. So God is constantly convicting, affirming, transforming, and making me more like Christ according to what He says to me as my beliefs understand Him and I grow. The conviction has to be there, church. Has to be there. We have to live by them. So if you want to become a a member of this church, Christian Faith Fellowship, many of you are. You go on our website or app, which everybody has on their phone now, and you on there, you can like click on it, it says become members, and you fill out this little application. In that application, there's this one statement that says, do you agree with the um, articles of religion, beliefs? And there's a little box that you click on. And down below that, like there's this little summary of our articles of religion, the beliefs. Okay? So nobody should ever just click that box, I agree until you know what you agree to. Because we've all been programmed when my iPad or my iPhone needs to be updated and it tells me before it can be updated, I need to agree to the terms. I don't know about you, but I've never read those. I'm not going to take the time to read all that stuff. First off, I want my phone to work, so just make it work. Okay? No, I'm being serious. Secondly, I understand that they know everything they want to know about me anytime they want to. And I'm not hidden, neither are you. And there's nothing I can hide. Everything's out there. So I don't care. I got nothing to hide. This is who I am. This is where I live. This is what I have. Not much. This is what I do. 
This is who I am. I'm not going to hide from it. So I agree. And I just click the box. But when we're talking about our faith, it's not something you just click a box. It's not something I just say, oh yeah, I like it there. I'm comfortable. It's cool. Let's do that. No, church, we're saying that we believe in something. In other words, what we're saying is, I am convicted that this is truth and my life stands upon those truths. So we better know what we're agreeing to. Here's the summary of our articles of religion right here. This is exactly what appears on that page when you fill out the application. All right? I think it's coming on the screen, right? There it is. You ready? We believe in God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We believe that, church? We believe that He, in three persons, is God. I've heard a lot of people try and explain the Trinity. I've yet to find one person to be able to explain it to be understood. I mean that in a good way. We do the best we can to understand God, but He tells us He's beyond our understanding. He is God and we are not. And we look to Him and we know that He's real. We know that He exists in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. How the dynamic of that is in the Trinity, nobody really understands. I was in one of my theology classes with the professor. I'm just going to bring this out here for you. Just, I want you to hear me. It's kind of funny, actually. This guy's got his doctorate. He's a really smart dude. And I was like, okay, so we're talking about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit being one But I mean, when Jesus was baptized, there was a voice from heaven, which was the Father. The Holy Spirit was in form of a dove coming down and Jesus was physically on the earth looking up. So that one God was in three places at one time and three distinctly different individual persons or character of who God is, right? We all agree, right? So we're like trying to wrap our little brain about the fact that, hey, God is one, but I see him up there talking President in the form of a dove falling and then Jesus being the man being baptized. I said, so like, I'm not, I was asking the question. It was in our uh, class in seminary there. And I was like, so when I see that, it still looks like this one God is three individuals as one, but they're separate right here. And then when Stephen looked into heaven, he saw Jesus standing on the right hand of the Father. So there was God, there was Jesus. Right? That's Bible, by the way. So we're all like, yeah. So I was like, so explain it to me. I'm asking the doctor guy there. He's like, Dave, we take this as far as we can, and then we kind of throw a smoke bomb in the room, and we exit. (laughs) See, I'm saying all that to you. Say this, like... There is no doubt who God is. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they are one God because He says He is. How that works? I don't know. Doesn't matter, church. Seriously, I mean this in a good way. It doesn't matter. God says He is, therefore He is. And if my brain can't comprehend it, that doesn't mean that God isn't. That means I got a problem and it's right there. It's not there, it's here. He's God and I'm not. And we believe that He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. With all of my heart, I believe that. It's truth because His Word declares it as truth, church. We believe that Jesus Christ, the Son, suffered in our place on the cross, that He died but rose again and now sits at the Father's right hand until He returns to judge every person at the last day. 
You believe that? It's biblical. Therefore, if you're a member of this church, you've said, I agree to this. I want you to know what you agree to. Because you see, church, what I was saying earlier, there's coming a day when it's not going to be, hey, you need to have a, a, a vaccine. There's coming a day when it's like, do you believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God? Do you believe in what is taught in the Christian principles of belief and faith? And we have to stand unmovable. All this, I firmly believe, no matter what. See, a conviction is I will stand in life or death on that truth and I will not be moved. Church, I believe that Jesus Christ is seated on the right hand of the Father. The Word of God says He's interceding for me and you. I believe that He was born of a virgin that he lived a sinless life as man made come as God. And he is God. That he gave his life for me and you on Calvary. That he came up out of that grave and is alive forevermore. That he conquered sin and death in the grave, defeated sin and Satan. And that he's come to set us free. And that he ascended to the Father. And when he did so, he sent the Holy Spirit. The next statement is we believe in the Holy Scriptures as the inspired and inerrant Word of God. I believe that. Do you believe that, church? We believe that by the grace of God, every person has the ability and responsibility to choose between right and wrong. And that those who repent of their sins and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ are justified by faith. That is your salvation and mine right there, church. You believe that? Amen. We believe that God not only counts the believer as righteous, which is amazing, but He makes such persons righteous. That is awesome. That's a work of God in us, see? We can't be righteous on our own. God does that work and He makes us righteous. Remember the transformational process of becoming Christ-like. Listen to it. It's God's Word. These are summaries from the Word of God. But He takes such persons, makes them righteous, freeing them from sin's dominion and conver- at conversion, purifying their hearts by faith, perfecting them in love and entire sanctification, providing for their growth and grace at every stage of spiritual life. At every stage. As we're maturing, as we're growing. Enabling them through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to live victorious lives. Amen. I believe that God has given you and I the ability, the power, the transformational God presence in our life by the Holy Spirit to live a victorious, righteous, delivered from sin life that God alone can do for you and I and we can't do on our own. Because that is what God's Word teaches us and it shows us. The summary of articles of religion that I just shared with you are taken from 21 articles of faith that are standards in the religion um, a section of articles of religion in the Wesleyan Church. Church, there's a lot more to it and there's scripture underneath it and all that kind of stuff and you can find that, guess what, on our website or the app. It's all available. Who we are, what we believe. So you see, it's not a matter of just like trying to say, I believe in something. It's, I believe what God says. I believe these truths. I'm convicted by God 
that this is truth and I will live by that truth. I'm convicted by that. And because of that, I've confessed that to God. I've received that from him and he is changing me. John chapter 16, Jesus said this. I have to leave you guys. Told the disciples I'm leaving and the disciples were like, oh no, please don't leave. Stay with us. Jesus said, no, I have to leave. You don't understand. Listen to what he wrote, what he spoke. John wrote it for us. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. That word right there, that's called advocate. In the Greek, it's pyrically, which means comforter, encourager, counselor. Let's talk about the Holy Spirit. So this is who the Holy Spirit is in the context of Jesus saying, I'm sending this to you. He is your comforter. When all of life is screwed up and things are all messed up around us, inside of you and I dwells the Holy Spirit who is the comforter, who holds us, who puts His arms around us and gives us the comfort we need that we can't find anywhere else. He is the comforter. He's not only the comforter, but He is the encourager. You have your own cheerleader. He's like, yeah, you can do this. Yes, you can. See, it's the Spirit of God inside of you saying, this victorious life has been provided through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit says, I'm here. I'm living in you. We can do this. Let's go. He's our cheerleader. You've got him. The Word of God says he's not just your encourager. He's your counselor. So let's just think about this for a minute. Going back to that first illustration, remember we were talking about everybody doing this? So we need a counselor. So you know what was happening right there? The counselor was listening to us talk to him about this. See, counselors listen. And so what we're doing is we're talking about this issue that he's already said. What about this? He asks the question, Dave, what about control? Well, I really didn't want to talk about that today, but uh, <laughs> since you brought it up, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I see that, God, I've been um, trying to like do things and juggle things and work things, and I've literally learned God taken control of stuff that uh, requires my surrender to you. See that, that moment? See what the Holy Spirit's doing right here is He's being my counselor. He's letting me talk through. That's why it took a different amount of time for the different people in front of me that were having that conversation with the Holy Spirit like this to turn their hands over. If everybody just turned their hands over at the same time like, yeah, they haven't released anything. You see, what I'm saying is the Holy Spirit, the counselor is saying, you know, so what about that? Where is it at? Why are you holding it? You want to give it to me? You want to let go? You want freedom? You want to breathe? <laughs> All those things that he asks you when you say yes, he's the counselor. This is why Jesus said, I got to go. See, the fullness of God's plan of redemption wasn't just the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Wasn't just the resurrection from the grave. It was the sending of the Holy Spirit. 
Because it's the only way you and I could have relationship with the Father and walk and live in obedience. We need this. Check it out. He didn't finish there. Listen to what he says. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. So listen, this is so cool when you listen to what it says in the scripture, what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. Not only is he your personal comforter, your encourager, your trio leader, and your counselor, he's also your convictor. So he's not just there to make you feel good about yourself. He'll do that when we need it. But the convictor is like, hey, you need to wake up. Here's the deal. You're getting uncomfortable. You're getting miserable. See, that's what I'm saying. Conviction is a gift from God. The Holy Spirit is a gift. Jesus said, I've got to go. You've got to have this. Because the only way you'll be transformed into Christ-likeness is to have the Holy Spirit going right there. That. Right there. That. Stop doing that. Start doing this. That's what He does. He's the convictor. The very first thing Jesus said, he would convict the world of its sin. Everyone knows they're a sinner. They may not call it that, but they know they're broken inside. No one had to come and tell us we're broken. You see your little kids running around, grandkids, nieces, nephews, kids around you, whoever they are. We don't ever have to stop them from doing the right thing. We have to stop them from doing the wrong thing. That's why they learn the word no first. Right? They're like, no, not that. No, not that. No, not that. Why? Because we're always doing the wrong thing. The Holy Spirit, He's like convicting the world of its sin and of God's righteousness. The second conviction is of God's righteousness. The awareness of my own brokenness and the unbrokenness of God. The perfection of God, the imperfection of me. The Holy Spirit lets us see this. And the last thing He convicts us of is there's a day we're going to stand before Him. Judgment. So there's three areas of conviction at work by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said so. This is what He's coming to do. So then he goes on and he explains it to us. He says, the world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Nope, we won't believe in Jesus. We'll say there's a God. We don't want to identify who he is. But once we say Jesus, we've identified who God is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the world doesn't want to acknowledge Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit is convicting the world of sin, which is the rejection of Christ. Right? It's what God's word tells us right here, church. Goes on and he says this, righteousness is available because I go to the Father. So the Holy Spirit is convicting us, letting us know that we don't have to live in our fallen, broken condition anymore. Now, righteousness is available to us. That righteousness that is available to us, did you hear that? Is by the Holy Spirit indwelling in me convicting me of what I need to do or not do so that I am more righteous and less Dave. I am more Christ-like and not Dave. See, that's the Word of God right there. He is going to bring that to us and make it available to us. And Jesus said, that can't come to you until I leave because the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, the advocate, He's got to come and bring that to you. Thank you, God. 
I am so thankful I live on this side of Pentecost. Thank you, God. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the rule of this world has already been judged. God has said, devil, your time is up. I am making this available to human beings across the planet. I am available and you are defeated. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Church, we have been given victory by our God if we step up into the victory provided through Jesus Christ and dwelling presence of the Holy Spirit and obedience to that righteousness that God has available to us. Man, that's great news. Conviction. This is the word, conviction, belief. This is what the Holy Spirit came to do in our lives. That word in the English language means this. A formal declaration that someone is guilty of a criminal offense made by the verdict of a jury or the decision of a judge in a court of law. God has determined. All have sinned and fall short of His glory. The verdict is in. We're guilty. The Holy Spirit is the affirmation of that guilt. He's like, guilt, guilty, 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 guilty. Anybody ever feel guilt? Holy Spirit, the convictor. That's wrong. You have broken God's law. Every one of us have. (laughs) Thank you, God. The reason why he says this to us is not like a court of law in our country that says, because of that, I'm locking you up and putting you away. No. God says, I want you to know you don't have to go there. Isn't that great? God says, you don't have to go and pay the price. Jesus has already been locked up for you. You are convicted. Once you confess that you are guilty, Jesus will pay your price and let you go free. All right, right there, we should have been in a little bit of a... Shout, clapping, (laughs) praising God, man. You understand what he's done for us, church? I mean, we are guiltless because of what he's done for us, but we were guilty. All right, there's a second aspect to that word in our definition of conviction. And this is what it says right here in Webster's Dictionary. It's our language. Listen, church, it says this, a firmly held belief or opinion. See, it is unmovable truth. I am convicted that He is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in one. I am convicted that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, that He came and was born of a woman, a virgin, that He is God made flesh by the power of the Holy Spirit, that He lived a sinless life, that He gave His life on Calvary for me and you, that He rose from the grave on the third day, that He ascended into heaven on the 40th day, and that on the 50th day, the Advocate came from the Father as promised by God Himself that He would come and dwell in the hearts of men and women on earth, and that God Himself lives in the heart of the believer that has confessed these truths. Church, I want you to know I am convicted, and I believe that these are truths, and I stake my life on those truths, and we've got to be that committed convicted and true that this is God's truth in my life it's not a church thing it's not a Sunday thing it's not a religious thing it's a life thing it's a commitment that I'm all in it's God's word and it's his truth and therefore we have to affirm these truths I believe God what do you believe 
This is why we ask the accountability question. Do you know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you? It's not just like, yeah, I hope you know. No. You better know because He's convicting you of something. If you're not Christian, if you haven't been saved, He's convicting you of sin and that you've rejected Christ and you need to accept Him. If you're a believer, He's convicting you of the righteousness that is available from God to allow you to surrender that so that you can receive the availability of the righteousness of God. And He's convicting all of us that we're going to give an account someday. That's a reality. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. All Scripture is inspired by God. Remember earlier we said we believe in the Word of God, that it is the Word of God? See, God's Word itself says, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. See, when we read God's Word, it's a convicting Word because it's God's Word. It's a a confirming word or a convicting word. What's right in our life and what's wrong in our life. It corrects us. We're back reading the scriptures. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Man, is that awesome or what? See, that's why we ask the accountability question. Have you spent at least five days last week, five minutes a day in God's word? I mean, that's pretty lame. But in reality, we've got to start somewhere. We've got to allow God time in our life. Therefore, you need to spend time in His Word, knowing what He says, because His Word tells us it's what corrects what's wrong in us. The Holy Spirit's the one that affirms that. Like, yeah, you're not really living that right there, are you? Or He says, look, you're doing that. Great job. Or He says, we need to work on this. He's amazing. See, these beliefs in conviction must come from God through His Word and affirmed by the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, the disciples were in the upper room. Remember, they were all gathered up there waiting, praying, and hiding all at the same time. Waiting for the promise of the Father, waiting for the moment that Jesus said something would happen. But at the same time, they were hiding. Remember, out in the streets of Jerusalem, only 50 days before that moment, They'd watch Jesus go down the street beaten and tattered to his death at Calvary. They'd seen him resurrected now. They believed in him. But they were up there in that upper room not knowing what in the world was going on, but something amazing happened. The fulfillment of God's promise and the words of Jesus Christ came true and the Holy Spirit fell on them. Thank you, God. When the Holy Spirit fell in that upper room, those people that were gathered up there in hiding, in prayer, alone, awaiting, not knowing, wondering, were empowered and emboldened. The Holy Spirit took control of them. And they didn't sit up in that upper room. They went out into the streets, the very streets they watched Jesus walk down to His death. And they went out into the streets and they boldly proclaimed the Word of God. They boldly proclaimed that Jesus Christ was the Savior of the world, that He was crucified by them, but that He was alive and well. Church, they preached God's Word. They spoke it boldly in the streets. And the message that they spoke was about Jesus. Listen. Acts 2.36 
So let everyone, this is Peter's message they're hearing right here and we're recording. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified be both Lord and Messiah. Isn't that awesome? Remember Peter, the one that denied to a little slave girl? I don't know him. Remember that three times when he denied even knowing who Jesus was? It's that Peter. Same guy. But he's not the same guy. Why? Because he's no longer living in his flesh. He's living in the power of the Spirit. The righteousness of God that is available. And he's moving in the Spirit of God that has transformed who he was to who he is. And as he stands there emboldened, he says, You did it! You're guilty! Remember conviction? You're guilty! Peter's words pierced their hearts. I'm reading from the Word of God. Peter's words pierced their hearts. Was it Peter's words? No, church. It was what Jesus said would happen. The Holy Spirit would fall and He would convict the world of their rejection of Jesus Christ. What Jesus said would happen is happening the day it happened. Awesome. (laughs) Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those in CFF far away. Amen. All who have been called by the Lord our God. Isn't that awesome? Church, listen to it. He's saying, look, the first step is you got to confess your sins and understand that you need Jesus. That was the first step, right? Jesus, Peter's like saying it to us right here. You got to turn to God. Turn away from sin. Turn to God. And be baptized. That's what we're doing today. We've already had multiple baptisms earlier. We're doing a couple more here at the end of the service. I know what time it is. We'll be done shortly. It's happening. Listen, church, it's so amazing. It's so awesome what God says to us right here. Peter's telling us something so critical for our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit revealed to you and I through the inspired Word of God. Turn to God. Be baptized. Be filled by the Holy Spirit. God wants to work in your life. You need the convicting power of the Holy Spirit to ever live a Christian life. You have got to have the conviction of the Holy Spirit to ever come to God in the first place. Can't come to Him unless the Spirit of God calls you. The Word of God tells us this, and Jesus said that's the way it's going to be. Holy Spirit's going to convict the world of sin. Man, you're jacked up. You need help, and you can't do it. That's the work of the Spirit. (laughs) Amazing. That's not in the original Greek form. That was just slang. I'm just telling you. The way that works is God, right? Repent, be baptized, then you'll receive the Holy Spirit. So when we baptize these guys in a few minutes, and we're going to do this, when we're done with the baptism, we're going to bring them right up here, and we're going to lay hands on them, and y'all are going to join us, and we're going to pray for them to be filled by the Holy Spirit, to be transformed, to be used of God, to let God do a work inside of them that only God can do in them. No church can do. They can't do on their own. We can't do it on our own. Only God can do it. 
because of the advocate, your comforter, your cheerleader, your counselor, your convictor, your righteousness of God. (laughs) Are you a born-again believer in Jesus Christ? You know what you believe? (laughs) What's the Holy Spirit talking to you about right now? You know what it is? So today we said at the very beginning, this is a moment God's called us to because God's saying like, today's the day. Come now. We were just singing that. Come now, not later. By the way, go get the kids and the youth. I forgot. Come now. (laughs) All right. While they're coming, you should come. The altar's open always. We just heard that. You had an invitation. Some of you already moved. But listen. If the Holy Spirit has talked to you and you know what that is that he's talking to you about, now is the time to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I release it. Yes, Lord. No more. You ready? Let's do it, church. Come on, just bring it up here and lay it down. Whatever it is the Holy Spirit's talking to you about. Now you move and give as the Spirit moves you. Yeah, it's right there. Just like, yeah, yes, Lord. Just like that release. This is what's happening. First thing is the confession, right? The confession. There it is. For Dave, yesterday it was control. Yes, Lord. (laughs) Yes, Lord. (laughs) Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're so amazingly faithful to us, God. Continue to reign in comfort, encouragement, counseling, and conviction. (laughs) Holy Spirit, you have free reign here. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Guys that are being baptized, come on over to your place there. Nobody has to move. We're just waiting on the Spirit of God to do what He's doing. You guys can move right up there. That'd be awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right, ladies, did you leave it there? I'm talking to you walking away, Mary. Yeah, both. Leave it there. Amen. We're going to step on it for you right there, all right? All right. Thank you, Jesus, right? Leave it there. Amen. How about it, Rich? Leave it there, buddy. You got it, man. Amen. It's there. Leave it. Hey, man. How about you, Danny? You leaving it here? You leaving it here? Right there. It's gone. Amen. You walk away, brother. Amen. So I'm telling you guys to walk away and listen. When we leave, this is what the enemy always does. He's like, Hey, you forgot something, right? He knows we left it. So he tries to remind us to do a recall, to do a U-turn, to come back, to receive, to pick it back up. That's what he wants to do. We're not doing that. Just ignore him. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. If you want to talk to anybody about that, you need to talk to God because he's got that, not me. That's how we live in freedom. That's the righteousness of God that's available to me and you. That's what it's all about, church. That's what it's all about. Amen. We have popped that.